Supplier investment and collaboration. Sustainable financing. In order to see significant shifts in the industry, Fashion for Good estimates that 20 to 30 billion in financing needs to be invested each year until 2030. Raw materials and the end-of-use phases make up around 45% of current financing demand, according to Financing the Transformation in the Fashion Industry, published by Fashion for Good and Boston Consulting Group in 2020. 35% of financing demand is needed to support innovation in processing and cut-make trim, such as waterless dyes and zero-waste manufacturing infrastructure, while the last 20% is split between retail, usage, and other innovations, reads the report. Specialized funds like Textile Innovation Fund and Good Fashion Fund are working to accelerate investment in sustainable fashion innovation. Quote, Brands and manufacturers have historically not been active in providing financing for the kinds of sustainable, disruptive innovation similar to those that we support at Fashion for Good, says Roger Van Mazik, investment director at Fashion for Good. Financing of sustainability is, however, not limited to the financing of disruptive innovation, but also includes other initiatives and further adoption of already existing solutions, unquote. Technologies to improve production. Financing the Transformation Report identified two categories of technological innovation that are the key drivers of transformation, quote-unquote soft and quote-unquote hard technology. Soft technology refers to digital B2C solutions like rental and resale platforms, as well as B2B solutions like traceability software. Hard tech, on the other hand, is, quote, asset-intensive, physical, science-based technology, unquote, which includes innovations that integrate into existing production systems, such as bio-based dyes and toxic chemical-free solvents and innovations that require the development of new infrastructure, like chemical recycling, biodegradable yarns, and lab-grown materials. Hard tech solutions often occur deeper in a brand's supply chain in facilities they don't own. Therefore, facilities are expected to improve infrastructure to be more sustainable, but aren't provided with the financial support to do so. Quote, Hard tech has a number of fundamental properties that make it unattractive to investors, says Mazik. But part of the problem is also that investors have traditionally focused on software, and therefore there are fewer investors familiar with and active in the hard tech space, unquote. The supplier perspective. What are suppliers asking for? It is critically important that investment in sustainability is used to improve the working conditions and infrastructure in facilities throughout the entire supply chain. Too often, investment initiatives focus on retail spaces and brand-owned facilities, failing to reach the facilities deeper in the supply chain. There's a difference of opinion in the industry as to whose responsibility it is to fund sustainable transformation in facilities that aren't owned by brands. Generally. Fashion companies believe that facilities should finance their own improvements. However, the tight margins imposed by these brands don't give facilities enough financial capacity to do so. The inability to find common ground on this core issue creates a stalemate and stalls progress, which can only be resolved through open discussion and collaboration about the challenges in the brand-supplier relationships. A GOTS-certified Tier 1 supplier in southern India told Trust Trace, 
quote, Usually textile manufacturers reside in developing countries. Sustainability is still not a burning issue in countries like ours, where the majority of the population is looking to just make ends meet. When we start our businesses, our top priority is to provide a good life for our families and ensure our employees are able to meet their needs. In a situation like this, even if sustainability in terms of practice and sourcing can be appreciated, it can most certainly not be afforded. Initially, these practices are driven by brand requirements rather than personal preferences. But after suppliers reach a point of establishment, they can appreciate and practice these on their own, even without push from brands. Despite sustainability being preached in today's world, it is still suppliers that bear the cost of sustainable textile production. Suppliers are expected to follow sustainable practices, source fiber from sustainable suppliers, be certified under different material and social certifications, and yet, final product costs are still kept low. The least that brands can do to help suppliers switch to more sustainable practices is to pay the real cost of the goods. In order to have any room to invest in improvements, supplier compensation must take into account the inflation in raw materials, petrol, shipping, and increasing wages, as well as the cost of capital tied up from what the supplier pays for raw materials ahead of production. Often, suppliers receive payment 60 days after their customer has received the shipment. If customers are willing to pay more for sustainable products, brands can easily afford to pay more to the suppliers as well. Customers ought to know that some of their favorite sustainable brands have even canceled orders after suppliers have invested money, time, and effort into executing them during COVID. Though this was not the case with our brands, we do know of fellow suppliers who have lost a fortune like this. Also, suppliers get paid two months after delivering goods, and if there are any delays, the brunt is always borne by suppliers. Consumers should be as eager to understand brand sourcing practices as they are to understand supplier sustainability practices. This will help brands stay accountable for sourcing practices and make sustainability more of a two-way street, unquote. The supplier prefers to stay anonymous to avoid potentially damaging relationships with their brand customers. Case study, Shimmy. Shimmy Technologies is an AI-powered app-based training platform designed to upskill and reskill garment manufacturing workers anywhere. It supports efficiency, spikes in demand, and quote, industry 4.0, unquote, what Shimmy calls the empowered collaboration between humans and machine. Shimmy founder Sarah Crosley believes that to acknowledge the transformative potential of the circular economy, it is necessary to design positive social outcomes to support workers. Thus, Shimmy was born. Automation is an inevitable reality. In 2018, McKinsey surveyed U.S. apparel executives and international procurement officers who projected that simple garment production will be fully automated by 2025, resulting in an 80% reduction in the labor force. This leaves little time to transition tens of millions of workers, a majority of whom are women, to new ways of making a living. Upskilling can be thought of as a layer that runs alongside the automation process. As workers are displaced or reskilled into other jobs, it is brands and manufacturers' responsibility 
to support workers as the number of human product jobs become fewer and fewer. Crossley and her team are constantly tracking machine competencies and skills in the market to guarantee their training is calibrated with market needs. Shimmy first collaborated with the International Labor Organization's Better Work program in 2020 to research the rate of automation in the garment sector and the workforce impacts that will result in the country, especially on women. The findings suggested that enhanced automation won't completely change the factory setup as traditional methods and human touch are still required, making the automation of the garment industry slower than in others. The process is gradual, but early investment is key. Shimmy, alongside Care Bangladesh and the Asia Foundation, recently completed a technical skills training for female workers called the Gender Norms Pilot in the Future of Work Project. It was funded by the H&M Foundation with the aim to address the skills and wages gap between male and female workers and to support women's promotion beyond the entry-level positions. Shimmy is also working with other major brands and retailers, such as Zalando and Under Armour. Quote, upskilling leads to workers' resilience and flexibility. While some manufacturers are hesitant to upskill workers for fear they may go to a different factory, more strategic ones view upskilling as an investment that will ultimately reduce operational costs, unquote, says Crosley. Investment in upskilling allows workers to understand critical processes and machines, enabling greater efficiency. Crosley says this type of flexibility is important for a number of reasons. Quote, if a worker needs to migrate home, they can. If facilities must close because of infection, workers have the option to take up work elsewhere as they are empowered with diversified skills that can be deployed on many different machines. With the impact of the climate crisis, one must consider the increased probability of damaging waves of infections. Upskilling removes these bottlenecks, unquote. Ultimately, the reality of the transition to a circular economy is that it will occur alongside intensified precarity and economic inequality throughout the global fashion system, agitated by the impacts of the climate crisis. Crosley believes more support could be implemented in the form of taxes and or rebates. For example, alongside the purchase of automated equipment, a reskilling rebate could be included and funded in part by local governments. Supply chain actors cannot automate parts of the production process and leave workers to figure it out. Upskilling and reskilling must run in tandem with any updates made. 